Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Big show today. John McClain will join us. See craziness across the NFL. Uh, no shortage of storylines on or off the field. That will be in uh, about an hour and a half from right now. Always uh, at, in the second hour with us on Tuesdays. Amy Dash, who joins us whenever we need legal insight. She's Odyssey's legal insider. We'll get the very latest on what will be taking place on Friday at the hearing where Michigan will be looking for the temporary restraining order, and Jim Harbaugh looks to attend this year. And we will uh, get Amy's take on what to expect, maybe what's been said but isn't necessarily true, and, and much more. That's later in the show. Plus, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, we will scout college football with the top players in the NFL. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for today's show. Going to get a little bit of legalese. We may have to ask Amy Dash whether or not Jim Harbaugh can actually pull off Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men, as he claims he's going quotes, to attempt man. to do, uh, as he defends himself in, in court on Friday. He'll, he'll be there to sure. defend himself. The, the presser was glory. Just, it was glory. It was more than just, uh, we were, we're America's team. We'll, we'll have some uh, quotes yeah. from him coming up. Um, not America's team. The Buffalo Bills. They were last season with all the preseason hype. And since then, they have had a significant drop-off. Played well last season. And this year, Chad, now looking at their fifth loss. Wrong again for me on Monday night where Buffalo primed for a a get-right game against Denver. Against a defense, however, that has been able to get right against some good opponents. They beat Kansas City and now a win over the Buffalo Bills. The Bills now 5-5. Josh Allen with his 11th uh, interception on the season through two last night and the turnovers doom Buffalo in a game that came down to an extra opportunity for the game-winning field goal on the just you could not write the script any better for those that buy into the NFL script writing uh, the conspiracies there but you have the pass interference sets up the field goal 12 men on the field for Buffalo Extra field goal from 36 instead of 41. Game winner, 24-22. The Broncos leave with their fourth win. And Buffalo with a significant loss because the Bills now, Chad, after losing to Denver, they face the Jets coming up, and then they have that gauntlet. I mentioned last week, the gauntlet coming up after the Jets game this upcoming week at Philadelphia, at Kansas City, home against Dallas, at Los Angeles with the Chargers, and then hosting the Patriots to finish off the year. Brutal stretch, and they needed to go 2-0 and in this stretch, and they haven't been able to do it in what's going to be a six-game, six-day stretch here where it's pivotal that if they're going to get back into the playoff wildcard race, they're going to have to do it now on the road and in some tough environments and against the top teams right now in the NFL, Kansas City and Philly. And Josh Allen continues to say, I can't make these throws, can't make these mistakes. He continues to do it, and Buffalo isn't among the elite. 
And, Chad, they're a disappointment. Huge disappointment. There's one NFL quarterback that has thrown 10-plus interceptions each of the last four years. It's a list of one. That one quarterback is Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who once again last night, and we're not even that deep into the season, he's already into double-digit interceptions on the year. Um, This has been a train wreck for the Bills this year. A team I'm pretty sure I picked to go to the Super Bowl coming into the season. I think I had 49ers-Bills in the Super Bowl. That's not looking good. Uh, The Bills' playoff hopes, quite frankly, look pretty bleak right now also. It has been a train wreck. I know they're dealing with defensive injuries, but it's been bad enough where they fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, earlier today. He's gone from Buffalo, and now they have five days to prepare for a game against the New York Jets, a game that will feature the two biggest disappointments in the NFL in 2023 thus far. The Jets have an excuse. Aaron Rodgers, their savior, tore his Achilles three plays into the season. That's their excuse. And Zach Wilson, let's go ahead and call it what it is. He's a bad quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. He took his place. The Jets were going nowhere. They've got their excuse. I don't know what the Bills' excuse is at this point. It looks bad on Sean McDermott. It looks bad on Josh Allen earlier this year when he seemed very defeatist after a Bills loss and said, same old bleep. Same stuff every time. Got to find a way to fix it. Starts with me, but it's the same bleep every time. That's becoming too common a refrain for this Bills team and for Josh Allen. Too many mistakes. 12 men on the field where you would have won the game. It's bad right now for Buffalo and Hutton. This is a team that should be a lot better. The Jets coming into the season had tons of high hopes. We know why those hopes were dashed. They were dashed with Aaron Rodgers' Achilles. I don't know what the excuse is for the Buffalo Bills right now. This is a team that should be a lot better. And now it sets up a, a Week 11 matchup against both of these teams. where the, And the Jets have already had one win in Week 1. Now they have an opportunity to sweep the Bills and to stay in the playoff race. Because the Bills are at 5-5, five and five, the Jets are at 4-5. and five, And I think the winner of this still keeps some hope alive where you've got Aaron Rodgers trying to come back by the middle of next month. And if he does that, where are the Jets standing uh, in, in the playoff wild card race? And the Bills right now are staring down a wild card spot too because of what we've seen with the Miami Dolphins in, in that division. Chad, uh, no more than um, no more than six losses for Buffalo since Josh Allen's rookie season. Wow, three time uh, champs in the AFC East right now. Uh, going into this year, they have uh, they've been in the top three in scoring. Each of the last three seasons offensively, right now they're eighth in scoring. They can score points and they can come back after turning the football over. But they've turned it over on the first play on offense twice now. They did it again last night. Josh Allen, of his 11 picks that leads the league, seven of those are in the first half. And they face a deficit where they have to have the Superman-type performance. They're not getting that. They're not as explosive on offense. And they're not as good on defense. But what, what they're lacking is the quarterback savvy to not force some of these passes. And the one pick that he threw, I believe it was to Moreau, um, over the middle last night, was just that, that he's, he's been throwing a lot of picks in recent years. He's not making those types of reads or poor mistakes that put the Bills, at, when they're in scoring range, not in, uh, in a position to actually pick up points. And right now they're the 10 seed in the AFC. 
Well, look, it's one of the, if not the best, one of the three or four best fan bases in the league, Buffalo Bills fans. I heard a lot of boo birds last night come out. I, I heard a three and out, and there were some loud boo birds. And that's not no, that's that's normal further east uh, for state of New York teams happening in New Jersey. You hear the boo birds come out quickly. Not as quick for Buffalo Bills fans who are remarkably loyal to an organization that has given them a lot of winning as of late but has yet to win the ultimate prize that that fan base desperately wants, and that is a Super Bowl t- uh, title. And I heard some boos last night. That's telling. That's not telling for every fan base. That is telling for the Buffalo Bills. And that shows you, and I don't blame them, uh, that they should be booed for losing at home to the Denver Broncos, and especially the way they lost it. But offense has got to be better. Josh Allen has to stop with the stupid mistakes it's a team without any excuses. You're right. Uh, th- that's that's what's so sad about this for the Bills is th- they just should be a lot better. Yeah, and they were second in scoring last year, by the way, with Dorsey, who took over for Brian Dayball. Yeah. So it's not like Dorsey was awful last year, and now you have Sean McDermott trying to save the season at 5-5. Five and five. Again, going and, and against he's, the threat. he's with, next, right? Well, this is yeah. step one. Uh, James Franklin fired his offensive coordinator midseason. That's always step one. Sam Pittman at Arkansas fires his offensive coordinator. That's the first step, and you know what's next. The owner is going to look at the head coach. The athletic director in college is then going to look at the head coach if things don't drastically improve. And Sean McDermott, who's been great for the Bills, uh, ownership's going to be looking at him next. I don't know that he's in a lot of trouble right now, but they're going to look to Sean McDermott after he made this move with Ken Dorsey. Well, I think that is really the next stage of kind of the, the media buzz and the fan chatter. Because I would say at this time last year, we were starting to really pick up on the Mel Kuyper top-rated quarterback and top-rated player. He had, it was around this time, I believe, he put Will Levis number one. And then the, the NFL draft cycle of, are they tanking or certain teams going after certain quarterbacks? If you weren't talking about the playoff race, you were talking about the quarterbacks. This quarterback crop that's coming out of the college football realm, much better than last year. And it's going to be overshadowed by coaches that are feeling heat that normally don't feel that heat. And I would say don't face failure all that often. And I'm intrigued to see how these guys handle the pressure because they've been very successful. And that's been the consistency of their tenure so far, wherever they've been. Instead of tanking, now it's about who's going to save their job, get fired, be traded, and who wants to be there as the head coach of said organization. It starts with Bill Belichick. That's why the, 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 the narrative of, are we talking future draft? Are we talking who's going to coach next? You've got uh, Diana Russini saying that there's going to be a mutual parting of ways. Uh, this offseason between Belichick and Kraft. Um, Orlovsky uh, on ESPN is saying today that uh, it's already been, been determined where Belichick's going to end up as the next head coach and general manager of his next team. Speculation is by the Chargers. Um, he didn't say that, but that's the speculation. Chad, think about the list. Belichick. Now you have Mike Vrabel in the mix based on reports out of Boston, but also a team right now in Tennessee that could go with uh, three wins 
exactly what they have right now could be what they end up with based on how this roster is made up. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Sean McDermott, who we're talking about. I don't think he's gone. But Chad, I mean, again, disappointment, I'm with you. Because they faced the team that was the first half disappointment of the NFL in Denver. And now Denver is starting to pick up the pace. Russell Wilson's not turning it over. And their defense keeps you in games. So it's no longer about what Sean Payton's doing or not doing. It's now about the coaches who have been doing solid work. Keep going here. Todd Bowles, Matt Eberflus, throw in uh, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy, Brandon Staley, and uh, do we mention Brian Dayball? Sure. He's getting extremely frustrated. He's talking to assistant coaches on the on the sideline about what and what's not working and the communication just seems awful for the worst team in the NFL. It's not Chicago. Worst team right now are the New York Giants based on what we saw last year to this year. And while I'm not sitting here saying that all of these coaches are on the hot seat to to be fired, they're feeling pressure within the organization and they're hearing chatter. And let me also mention Kevin Stefanski, not because of the record. They're 6 and 3 in Cleveland. I think he's done a solid job. I want to mention him just because of the odd way that this whole injury situation went down with Deshaun Watson. And trust me, Deshaun Watson is is an NFL quarterback that has the NBA star power. If he doesn't want the coach there, the coach won't be there during the offseason. Chad, this is a lengthy group. And while we only see maybe four, five, six coaches turn over, and we've already seen one. I'll mention Arthur Smith in there too, I should. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's... There's a group here that, I mean, Vrabel's a great example. Ohio State, you know, his dad's a coach in high school, goes to Ohio State, becomes a star player there, makes his way to the NFL, has to work his way on his special teams, then becomes a starter, then goes to New England, becomes the All-Pro and the Super Bowl champion, traded to Kansas City. I mean, he, everywhere he's been, he's had that success. Even in coaching, he went to Ohio State. Uh, even when he hasn't done well, um, he, he's not great as the, the, the defensive rankings for Houston when he was the coordinator, not great, but he fell forward into a head coaching job. And then they go to the AFC Championship game. There's been a lot of success there, and now the heat is starting to rise. Um, and again, it, we lead it with Belichick. It, this is a list that going into the season, you wouldn't have expected to be this long in week 11. Well, and I want to go to the very top of that long list with Belichick and Vrabel. Bill Belichick, we've seen how he's going to handle this, and that is exactly the same way he's handled success, yeah. at least publicly. I mean, uh, the the answers coming out of him after he benched Mac Jones in Germany was, well, I thought, thought we should make a change. Thought it was time for a change. That was That's all you're going to get out of Bill Belichick. He's not going to change. He's not going to suddenly start shouting at reporters or getting into it with everyone. The second name on that list, Mike Vrabel, keep a close eye on how he handles this failure. Uh, this year, because that's a guy, like Hutton said, he's won as a player. He's synonymous with winning everywhere he's been. He won as the Titans coach in his, the start to his tenure. That guy's 3-13 and 13 now in his last 16, and he may not win another game the rest of the season. Uh, that record is going to look very lopsided over his last 20 games or so by the end of this season, and I'm not saying it's all on him. They fired a general manager a year ago, so we know where the Titans' ownership is placing the blame. Keep a close eye and ear on weekly press conferences featuring Mike Vrabel and how he handles this. 
My prediction is he's not going to handle it well. And I'm not saying that as a diss to Mike Vrabel. I don't think this guy's going to handle losing well at all. He hates losing. We, everybody saying. hates losing. I mean, that's, you know, everybody well, handles it know. differently. I don't think he is going to outwardly handle it well when being questioned. So, but it goes people. back to my thing. It's not about being fired or saving your job and that's it or being traded. It's about who wants to be there. And you know, that, that's also the tone that needs to be set. Yeah. You know, and we'll find that out too. Crazy list. And it's got M- McCarthy. High expectations in Dallas. He's doing great. Not on the hot seat right now, but back-to-back 12-win seasons and no results other than division round playoff losses to San Francisco. Coming up, more headlines including Manning, Arch Manning, and the transfer portal. That's next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Honey with her rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up, we discuss coaches who have said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving during race season. You know who else isn't leaving? Reports are, according to Inside Texas's Bobby Burton, that Quinn Ewers, quarterback for the Texas Longhorns, who returned this past week, way ahead of schedule, with the uh, day-to-day status, week-to-week status, and he's back, says he's more than likely returning to the Longhorns in 2024. 90% is according to uh, according to Burton's multiple sources, 90% certain that yours is back to play in 2024. So, what does this mean for the transfer portal? Yesterday, we discussed this with Jimbo Fisher. Texas A&M is a ton of talent. Yeah. And the portal will be filled with a, 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 with a ton of talent from Texas A&M. Well, job number one this, for the new A&M coach is to retain as much of that talent yes, as possible. Yes, Is to re-recruit that roster. And they're being recruited right now elsewhere, currently. We know that. Chad, the two quarterbacks for the Longhorns behind yours, what happens to them? And what happens to Arch Manning 
who is, we know, scheduled to take over as Texas enters the SEC slate. He's going to have to beat out Murphy. But Arch Manning went to Texas for a reason, and it wasn't to be a backup. He's not backup caliber talent by any means. And he's the future of the Texas Longhorns quarterback spot. He's the franchise quarterback. What happens if, if Ewers is back? Because I think it's a... That's not an easy decision for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, look, I, I, I would agree. It's an, uh, it's an awkward spot to be in because I don't think anyone thought Arch Manning was sitting more than one year. It was, the plan was in place that seemed pretty clear-cut. Quinn Ewers is the starter for a year. Then you hand over the reins to Arch Manning after that. Now, our very own Kelly in Vegas with a little breaking news. When I asked the question on, uh, on X whether or not Arch Manning was going to transfer, she responded and said, my people in Texas tell me he's not as good as advertised. And that's an issue with the Texas coaching staff and that he's not going to be ready uh, a year from now. So maybe some breaking news from Kelly in Vegas on that one. Look, I'll say this about Arch Manning, and this is me in defense of him. It's nearly impossible to be as good as he was advertised. Given his lineage, his family name, and the hype surrounding him, that kid as a high school athlete got as much hype as LeBron James did. There's not many comps you can point to and say, how famous is someone in high school as a prospect? It's LeBron James. It's Arch Manning. There's not many others you can put on that list. Not many. The pantheon of famous high school athletes that everyone knew about. So the pressure is big time for Arch Manning to deliver whenever he is the starter. I thought the situation was perfect for him to sit, learn for a year behind Quinn Ewers, then take over in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. If Ewers comes back and Manning decides, I got to start playing immediately somewhere, a school that I would – I'm thinking about schools that finished second and third for him in his original recruitment. Georgia is one possibility. Brock Vandergriff, I think, is the backup right now for Carson Beck. Um, If Carson Beck is gone after this year – Maybe Georgia's an option. I know people are pointing to Alabama also as an option for, also for Arch Manning. List, yeah. Definitely on his list as well. Uh, those are two that I'd put close to the top. But this could end up being a, I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word. It could be an odd situation if Ewers comes back and Manning knows going into a season he's going to have to sit for his first two years in college. It seems like a lot to ask for a prospect that's a five-star guy of his lineage, burn a year. of his believed ability, right, of what we think about Arch Manning and how great he could be, that he's going to have to sit for two years. Well, if you go to Bama, I mean, Milrow's playing great. Yeah. You know? I mean, he, he's really improved over the last month or so. Stepping up, and they're giving him more within the offense now. Slow. It's been a slow progression, but, I mean, Bama's right there with the most talented roster today playing in college football based on what I've seen. They're gelling just like George has been doing. Yeah, I'm trying to see what year Milrow is. This is the crazy thing about Transfer Portal. Well, okay, and that's that's what's crazy about Arch Manning. If he sits another year, he may be the starter for one year and go pro. Uh, No one thought he was going to be there the full time. That's three years removed from high school. He may get one year as a starter at Texas and then bolt if Quinn Ewers comes back. Yeah, he's a, he's a red shirt. No, excuse me, he's a sophomore. He played, so he threw, he attempted two passes or completed three passes in 21. And then uh, last year, 
31 of 53, and then this year, of course, he's the main starter. It's almost impossible to follow what year anyone is anymore with the COVID, the COVID years. years. Yeah, I know. And transfers and red shirts Jet. and everything else. I, I look at when could they go pro? How many years are left of eligibility on everyone? What about this, though? So, and again, I I think when Ewers says he's coming back, he mentioned 90% on this report, it means it's referencing Texas, likely to return next year, right? What if Ewers hits the portal and not Manning? That could be a great option for someone looking to upgrade a quarterback for a one-year stint if he were to bolt. I, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I think if Quentin Ewers is coming back, he's he's coming back to Texas. Now I say that he originally went to Ohio State from the state of Texas and then transferred to Texas. It would not be completely unbecoming of Quentin Ewers to want to transfer again. He's already done it once, but and look around the I, SEC. I There's read a lot that of quarterbacks. As he's coming back to he's coming back to Texas. A lot of quarterbacks who have transferred for their final year of college to take over. Yeah, um, I don't throw that out of the realm of possibility either. Because what's the pressure on Sarkeesian to have Manning ready to go at at, at Texas? Uh, and and who Manning has I, recruited? I just, look, I I think the pressure is on Sarkeesian to to get to a playoff. Yeah. And to win at the highest level. So if Quinn Ewers is, if you want to re- recruit Quinn Ewers to come back for one more year because you know he gives you the best chance, that's what you're doing if you're Steve Sarkeesian. When and you, Arch and you Manning, want that going into the first year. When Arch Manning finally is the starter, if it's next year or the year after, the pressure is then on both Arch Manning and Steve Sarkeesian to show, hey, you can trust me with your great quarterback talent because I didn't lead Arch Manning astray. When he started in my offense, he was terrific, and he was a high draft pick. That, that's what you're hoping for w- with him at that point. So then you can sell the next quarterback for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian as you can be Arch Manning. Or in this case, you could be Quinn Ewers. And what's the recruitment process from Arch Manning if he enters the portal? That's, I mean, again, like it's... I, I don't think there will be one. Oh, I, I mean... I, I really believe... That brand alone... As careful, though, as that family was protecting his privacy and his recruitment the first go-around and how difficult it was to get information on any of it and how they would take his phone from him because he was getting hit up by so many people for interviews and coaches calling and everything else. Hutton, I think he's when, – when he makes that decision, he knows exactly where he's going. I don't think there's going to be visits. I think it is going to be Arch Manning is leaving Texas to go to Georgia or Alabama or wherever. I've got another one for you. Texas A&M. I don't know. Coach. It depends on who the new coach right, would be. Right. He would need some sort Story of attachment though, to him. Is, that would be incredible. I don't. Did did he? I, I feel like he didn't really give LSU much of a chance. It wasn't much Brian Kelly there by the time he was leaving. That's a good one too. Yeah. So, but he's from New Orleans. I, I look at that offense and and what Daniels is doing, and he's going to be gone, and think maybe that would be a, a possibility for Arch as well. Look, right now he's at Texas, all speculation at this point. But if Quinn Ewers comes back, I got a hard time believing Arch Manning is going to sit on the bench for two years before he's a starter. And Murphy, too. And I don't know, honestly, in today's college football, it's one thing if you're a three-star developmental quarterback, why would any five-star sit for multiple years? You're going somewhere where you have been promised the keys to the castle by year two. That, that, that is the plan. you got a plan. When you're a five-star guy and you know the amount of effort in NIL that goes into getting a five-star quarterback of all positions, 
There is a plan in place. It is not, hey, young man, just get here and work your tail off and you'll be able to start by your senior year or your junior year. No, 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 no. I'm the guy by year two. That, that's, that's the expectation yeah, or for you, these five-star guys. And you enter the portal and you get paid again. Right. <laughs> or you go to Alabama and they stockpile three or four five-star guys and two of them end up transferring. Right. Um, I, I'm amazed at times that when quarterbacks come in, I'm thinking, did you look at the depth chart or how long someone was going to be there? Some of these guys, if, you're, if your goal is to play, there are places you can go and play a lot quicker that are good programs if you just looked at it more carefully than places some of these guys go. I think the days of you know, sitting around until your junior year to start at quarterback, if you're a top-notch prospect, that's over. Because all these guys, they know everything now. There's no mystery about it. You know where you were ranked in your recruiting class. You know the schools that are after you, that were after you, that would be again. You know everything. The knowledge that these players have is so much more. I don't think that's always a great thing for the sport, but for their autonomy, it's a good thing. So they know more and more about what they can do and where they could go. They're not going to sit around for, for multiple years. I'll just mention, too, just because of the Texas tie and Oklahoma has a senior quarterback currently. And Dylan Gabriel. Chad, uh, Jim Harbaugh. He's headed to the hearing. He's headed to uh, discuss the situation at Michigan, trying to find the temporary restraining order and coach on the sideline this weekend against Maryland. And I know you think he gets it. He ends up getting the judge to grant this based on the suspension from the Big Ten and Tony Petiti. Um, I, I mean, they were certain they were going to get this last weekend. And I think the timing of everything screwed them up with when Petiti announced this. Now they've had a full week to prepare their argument. And if Harbaugh is, I mean, as passionate and dropping one-liners like he has been this week in press conferences, who knows what he's liable to say to this judge in a passionate plea to get him back on the sideline. Well, as, he, as he says, hey, uh, prove that I've ordered the code red as he's playing Tom Cruise and a few good men. And, I mean, the guy's impervious to sickness, even, I think, is one of his claims. Oh, yeah. So here's, here's Jim Harbaugh discussing that he's feeling a his little virus. under the weather and how he's going to be ready for Friday no matter what. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know what I have. Some kind of, some kind of virus or something, uh, trainer told me, but I'm not sick. Feel great. Got a tremendous workout in today. Thank you, Coach uh, Sean Lockwood, for that. I'm... Uh, the iron wall that viruses bash against and, and shatter. Uh, but, yeah, something's going on there. But uh, just work it out. Get it worked out. Work it out of the system. Do some more push-ups. Eat an apple. Do more push-ups. Eat an apple. The iron wall that viruses bash up against and, and shatter against. Now, that's stealing a line from Kevin Costner as John Dutton from Yellowstone, uh, who, when running for governor of Montana – said something like, I am not progress. I am the wall that progress shatters against. Um, so he's uh, clearly a, a Yellowstone. He's a Sheridan verse fan. No big surprise there with Jim Harbaugh. Now, Hutton, I'll ask you this question. The guy who says that, that I need to do some more push-ups and eat an apple and talks about being impervious to viruses yeah. the way he does, do we think that guy's going to go into a court of law after having said in that same press conference that he wants to be Tom Cruise and a few good men? in this courtroom setting, and that he's going to get there and not say one thing incriminating? 
that could be bad for their case against the NCAA. All this stuff is on the record, obviously. I, I think you are playing with fire if you are Michigan and you're bringing Jim Harbaugh to that courtroom to say whatever he wants on this. Maybe he pulls it off beautifully and does not incriminate himself or his program in any way, and he's both thoughtful and entertaining. I would be very nervous if I was Michigan about what Harbaugh is going to say in this hearing. Well, we'll ask Amy Dash coming up about what will be asked, but mainly their their argument is... He not, doesn't know. N- well, not only that, but the suspension has been handed down before the investigation has been completed. Yeah. So until you can show evidence that it links back to our coach, who's sitting right here next to me, then he need, he, there shouldn't be a suspension. And you're, you're causing harm to our program by doing this when there's a process that we're going through with the NCAA that's ongoing. Did I read this correctly, too, that it was one judge that teaches law classes at Michigan that was originally going to see it, and then it got passed to a Michigan grad that's a judge, and then I think it got passed back. This is why there was so much back and forth on Saturday. Then they threw it back to the Michigan law professor that's now going to see the case. So regardless, you've got someone with strong ties to Michigan that is a judge that is going to hear this case. Jim Harbaugh said yesterday, I don't want it to be a popularity contest. I, I just want to be able to defend myself and fight for due process in this whole thing, which they don't feel like they were afforded at Michigan. Now, Tony Petiti is going to come back and say, we've got the evidence that shows what was going on at Michigan. And while there isn't evidence right now saying that you absolutely knew, we have the authority within our office to find a punishment for the program, and this is what we decided. You as the head of the program had to be suspended, regardless if we had any text proof or anything that you definitely knew about it. That's going to be the argument back. We'll see who wins. My guess Uh, The Michigan Law School professor decides with Michigan, and he gets his temporary restraining order. Coming up. Just a hunch. Coaches who have said they're not interested in the Texas A&M job. Who might be? Plus NFL overreaction. Top Mike with Hutton Withrow. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hot Mike with Hunter with our rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. You can join Chad in the chat right now on YouTube. Search out Outkick. How's it going so far over there? Yeah, I've had better days in the chat. Oh, wow. A little bit down on the chat. Trolls today? Chat, well, the people who chat, we've reached the point of, like, if we say the word Michigan, you know, they're all getting real pissy about it. Oh, Michigan again. Oh, here we go. Michigan's taking over the show. And I'm like, guys, it's the biggest story in the country. We're going to continue talking about Michigan. So deal with it. Another massive story is at Texas A&M. That's With Jimbo Fisher out and the massive buyout of $77 million. Give it two more days, then someone in the chest will be like, oh, A&M again, oh. Well, it's the... It's They're a, just whiny today. It's okay. They'll get with it. It is raise season for college football coaches. Dan Lanning got his after one year at Oregon. And whenever that was announced, it was like, what? You're already extending the guy through 28? $20 million buyout if he chose to leave for another school. 
and it's a contract that pays him $7 million annually. He was asked about whether or not he was interested in the Texas A&M job because I certainly would pick up the phone and call him. a and going to call anybody. Um, and Lanning said, no, he's not interested. Zero chance that he leaves the Oregon Ducks football program. He says he has everything that he wants right there in Eugene. And he told reporters, I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. I've got unfinished business here. We have the resources, the tools. Anybody that can't understand why you would want to be at this place doesn't understand exactly what exists here. 19-4 and uh, overall now in his second season at Oregon. 37 years old, and that's the uh, currently sixth in the college football playoff rankings. Second place Pac-12 and headed to the Big Ten. I respect the heck out of that from Dan Lanning. From from, the, from this perspective, the dude is being honest. He's not playing a game. He could have very easily skirted that question and said something like, I am just focused on this year's team and these kids in the locker room and done all that. And you say that knowing that your agent is working behind the scenes to play your current university to get a raise, even if you want to stay with, the, with Texas A&M. So look, I... I know agents and coaches play this game all the time, and they're simply doing it to get even more absurd absurd amount of money than they already are. But uh, I I appreciate Dan Lanning for being so obvious about it. I saw a number of people say when he said this that, uh, of course you wouldn't leave Oregon for Texas A&M. There's no amount of money to go to A&M and be miserable, acting like it's a miserable experience to be the Texas A&M coach. I've seen a lot of that sentiment I don't know that I fully understand that other than people have been beaten over the head with Jimbo Fisher, who seems miserable and his experience in A&M has seemed miserable for everyone involved simply because he didn't win to the level he should have won. So I don't know that A&M some miserable place well, it's, it's, that you wouldn't want to leave for all that. Money. I just think the general public views that job in a much different way than the coach will. The, the co- that job is a top tier job to coaches because you have all resources necessary at your disposal. And you're going to get paid. Your staff's going to get paid. Players are going to get paid. You're going to get whatever you want there. And I think the, the viewpoint from the outside looking in is, oh, what have they done? What have they won? They couldn't win with Jimbo Fisher. Why would you want to go there? You know, they get the wrong players that are being recruited. You don't want to go there. It's, look at what you're doing here and what has been done in College Station. Instead of, can you do everything you possibly can do or want to do as a head coach in College Station for the Texas A&M Aggies? The answer is absolutely yes, with the finances and resources. Yeah. I, and that's what the coaches are looking for. That's how they judge these jobs. They judge it that way. And also, I think that there's going to be a recalibration of expectation across the SEC. They're about to move to nine conference games and not eight. That's going to change a lot of programs' win trajectory by one. You're probably going to win one less game a year than what you're accustomed to. I think that with every job but Kirby Smart at Georgia, Nick Saban at Alabama, probably Brian Kelly at LSU is going to get in that territory also. I think there's a lot of other jobs that there's almost going to be this NFL level of expectation. And what I mean by that is if you can get over 500 and substantially over 500 in some case, that's a great season. And I think that everybody's looking at the SEC saying, now, wait a minute, Texas, Oklahoma coming in, that makes it harder on the A&M coach, no doubt. That is a detriment to A&M. They're no longer the lone SEC dog in the state of Texas. 
They're going to have to recruit more against Texas in that conference. And then I think you look at nine conference games, the win-loss record is going to start to look different for some of these coaches and some of these programs. And they just immediately think, well, th- those jobs are tough. And they're not wrong. It's the toughest conference in college football. It is going to get tougher when you're playing more conference games. Um, but I, I don't I don't get the level of disappointment in A&M as a job from people. I, I think it's a very good job with enormous resources where you can win in a big way. I think it's kind of an odd place, personally, uh, having spent a little bit of time there, but knowing the whole setup, that's something that would take some getting used to, and maybe it takes a specific type of personality to jive with the culture and the whole vibe of of College Station and that school, but it's a good job. I don't understand when people act like it's not a good job, and it's a very good job. It's viewed as a great job with coaches, though, internally. There's just a discussion. And also... While you're you're facing one more loss on a record, while I agree it should be viewed that way, it will not be viewed that way by the fan bases because you can win six or seven games, but how how long can you win six or seven games and sustain your your job? Not three years, right? I, I think the length of where you the, the, to determine success is about the same because of the twelve team playoff, not the four. And that extra loss keeps you out instead of getting in on. And now they're potentially going. They're discussing the the five seven model instead of the the six six, where you have seven at large, and the five conference champions. So again, that that gives that's a you, big win for the SEC. And, and and a bad that's a that's a loss for coaches that want to think that they can lose one and sustain that same type of uh, praise and recognition, and continue to get paid. But hey, and also I, just quick props to Oregon. I, this is the one success uh, version of this where they do the early extension and they got ahead of all this mess instead of bidding against A&M now. It's hard to project that, but other, other schools are now going to try to do the same thing and many of them will fail and we'll be back in this rut of buyouts. But Chad, Oregon's keeping their, well, their coach and I mean, he's the first coach that had denied that he was interested in the job. I want to get into the the buyout part of oh, this in another big. Uh, we got to have more time to talk about it. I think it's a crime what's going on uh, with college athletic directors, and and I, I they've allowed it to happen now, and now you are going to have open season on coaches threatening to move yeah. if they don't get the same buyout that you know they're going to be offered somewhere else, and it's a shame. Just threatening to do. I it. think the whole thing's a shame. That's why I, I want to applaud Dan Lanning for getting out ahead of it and not giving any room to breathe. There is no doubt he said it right there. He's a flat-out liar if he decided to leave. Now, I am absolutely coming back. I'm not going anywhere. Good for him for speaking with his heart on that and not playing some cat-and-mouse game of trying to get another raise from Oregon and flirting with other jobs. Good for Dan Lanning. I wish more coaches showed that level of integrity and were that honest about it. Problem is, big-time agents are, are running the sport right now. And in some cases, they're ruining athletic departments with buyout money. We'll get into it more another time. By the way, quickly, Rick Neuheisel, the name he threw out for A&M, Dabo Sweeney. That it may be time for him to want to get out of Clemson with people doubting him there and start something new. That would be something to go from Jimbo Fisher to Dabo Sweeney. It would be something for him to embrace what they're doing there with their roster too. Dabo Sweeney seems like the type that would like the yell leaders also. Like, I think he's goofy enough to get behind that. The dude, oh, the, in the, 12th man. the dude in the overalls doing the 12th man stuff and the silly cheers. Yeah. That, that seems Midnight like Dabo's yet. speed. So, uh, 
craziness in the NFL. The Broncos win, get their fourth win, and now we see the Bills at 5-5. Five and five. It's time for NFL Overreaction. All right, guys, getting us started. Last night, Monday Night Football came down. As you guys remember, the Bills were my NFL eliminator team, so I got the X on that one, but we'll just start. The, a lot of the talk's been about the Buffalo Bills, but let's talk about the Denver Broncos. They've been able to string together some really good performances, and we've seen Russell Wilson actually take that step forward under Sean Payton. So I pose to you, the Denver Broncos are making the playoffs. No. No. No, they're not. And it's it's because of what they didn't do in the first half of the season. A lot of people think it's, it first half doesn't matter, and you get on a run, and you go. Uh, right now, just at looking at the NFL playoff picture ahead of them, the, the Bills remain ahead of them. Uh, and the Bills have the Jets in a big playoff matchup, a potential wild card spot with Aaron Rodgers coming back and trying to stay alive. The Bills don't need their sixth loss in back-to-back losses to Denver and to the Jets. But, Chad, um, the Chargers, and let's see who else is ahead of Denver. Indianapolis and Cincinnati. Plus, if it's not Cincinnati, it would end up being Houston or Pittsburgh or Cleveland because they're going to battle each other, and then they'll be the first team out. I don't think Denver has a chance based on the fact that there are teams that are better than Denver, more consistent than Denver, and are able to do more explosive plays offensively to keep them in the playoff race longer than the Broncos will be. That win-loss record looks better now for Denver, so kudos to Sean Payton for turning that around. I still watch that team and just call it just the eye test or whatever. Mm -hmm. They still kind of suck to me. Uh, When I watch them play, I still think, this team is not a good NFL team. I don't know what they're doing to win some of these games. It's good defense. I'm aware of that, but I don't think they're a playoff team, no. I think that's an overreaction. Some of Wilson's throws were incredible last night against pressure. Well, the play that that on Pond Review was the catch on the – side oh, of the that, end zone fantastic. that was dropped into By a Sutton. bucket and oh. a great catch Cortland Sutton on that one guys we'll stick with the AFC West and the Las Vegas Raiders they've been able to rattle off two wins in a row but they're going to make Antonio Pierce their full-time head coach I'm going to say that's an overreaction because Jim Harbaugh is going to be their next coach um, I think the more that Jim Harbaugh starts to act like a deity at Michigan and the way they treat him as such, the chances are he's probably going to stay at Michigan the longer this thing goes on because he has become a martyr for the Michigan Wolverines and he's being treated like a god by Michigan fans in that university, so he may end up staying. But my money is still on Jim Harbaugh leaving for the NFL and he's going to be the Raiders' next coach. I'm going to say no. Uh, This is an overreaction because of the other coaches that are going to be available. And uh, we're talking uh, potentially uh, anyone from – Dayball to uh, McDermott. We mentioned Belichick and Brable earlier. You've got uh, Lafleur and McCarthy. No, uh, there's too many coaches on the hot seat that will be available, and also uh, coaches that will be re-interviewed. Let's say, and I think Chad's onto something there as well with Harbaugh wanting to get to the NFL. No, I agree with you. And plus, I mean, those two wins come against the Giants and the Jets. So beating the teams in New York, not too much to write home about. I will say though, they'll have an opportunity. Uh, or Pierce will have an opportunity because he's got the Dolph- at the Dolphins versus the Chiefs and versus the Vikings coming up. Three teams all definitely. And then uh, the Chargers, then the Chiefs again. So def- difficult schedule coming up. Moving right along, though. Uh, last week, the conversation was about the New Orleans Saints and winning the NFC South. I'm going to switch it up, but the Tampa Bay Bucks are actually going to be the team that wins the NFC South. Overreaction. I still think, Chad, it's, it's New Orleans. Uh, because of their defense, 
And because of the the fact that I think Der- Derek Carr is going to have to, he's able to go three games throwing 300 plus yards. Um, the Tampa defense prior to last week is giving up 350, 250 yards, 300 plus yards, and then 470 yards passing. That can continue. Meanwhile, you're not doing that against the New Orleans Saints defense. How does Jameis Winston, every time he's about to go into a game for injury or whatever it may be, always has a look like someone just shined a spotlight on his face in the sideline? Like, it's always this look like, oh, here we go. Um, I have a real hard time even watching this division or being yeah. interested so with any of these You're teams. Right. It, it, insignificant is a great word to describe the entirety of the NFC South. All of these teams, I don't see really heading in a clear direction and I don't like any of them this season, but by default, I, I think it's still the Saints division to win. I, I haven't seen enough with Tampa to think they're going to win it. And, and definitely, the Falcons are completely falling apart right now. So Coming give me the Saints. Top headlines of this Tuesday. Plus, we will look ahead a bit to Thank you, Davey. what's going to be a, a great NFL weekend. John McClain coming up in about 25 minutes. Stay tuned. Pop my with that and with our rolls on across the Outkick Network.